you for tonight, for this space, for this moment and time together. To lift your name, bring you praise. It's all for your glory, God. It's all for you. We love you. It's in Jesus' holy and precious name. We say together, amen. Uh, good morning, church. Good morning. Come on in. Come on in. Welcome. So good to see all of you. Um, we have uh, a lot to experience together this morning, but our, our prayer always is that it is all um, worshipful, for the Lord, that it's a blessing to Him and to us, because we gather here in this place to bring our offering of sacrifice, of praise to the Lord. And so what's that going to look like? It's going to look like worshiping God through music in just a moment. We're going to worship God by opening His Word together. We are going to bring offering of worship to the Lord through fellowship and prayer. We're going to hear testimonies this morning 
about some of our, one of our most recent events and some updates about some amazing things that God has been doing even just this past week on a few of our events. And so God is alive and at work. Do you believe that? Because we serve a risen Savior. And so we will also end our service, our time together today around the Lord's table, taking the cup and the bread, remembering his sacrifice. And then, of course, after service, everyone is is uh, welcome to stay for our, our first barbecue of the season, our fellowship lunch that we do on the first Sunday of every month. And so we're looking forward to that. Um, a lot of people have been here early preparing and getting ready for our time together. So what I'd like to do now is read from the scriptures, uh, read from one of the Psalms as our call to worship. Because it is good to hear the word of God, if you remember When this book was originally written, when these letters were written, they were read aloud. The Word of God was meant to be read aloud, amen? And so I'm going to read the Word, and then I'll pray us into worship, and we'll stand and worship God together in song. We uh, we won't have the lyrics up or the verses up uh, on the screen this morning, and so these are familiar songs, and um, so just listen. If you don't know the words, just listen. Now, if you know them, you feel free to sing real loud. We have freedom in Christ. Um, and then uh, we can use our own Bibles. There's Bibles on the chairs in front of you during our message to look up the Scriptures along with me. And it's good to look at the written Word as well. So let me read, and then we will uh, pray into our time of worship. All right? This is from Psalm 34. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed." This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. For the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good, and blessed are those who take refuge in him. Amen? Let's stand, and I'll pray us into worship. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to worship, to worship you, to bring you glory. And Father, we know that you alone are the one who is worthy. And so, Lord, this time is for you. May you be blessed by the the words of our mouth. Lord, we desire to join our voices together as one, as we lift holy hands, as we stand silently and listen, Lord, as we bring our, our offering of worship to you. Father, we thank you for the privilege that it is. And Lord, have your way with us. Be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, let's sing and worship him together.
the Lord. Take a moment to say good morning to somebody sitting next to you. In the name of the Lord Jesus, say good morning. All right, if we can, um, well, I was going to say find your way back to your seats, but it looks like you've done that already. Everybody's ready to go. It's awesome. If we can just turn down the volume a little bit, I appreciate it. Um, I'm a little too loud for myself, which I don't always say a lot, right? But um, we, uh, we praise God for all of our children and uh, for those that are working with them. Uh, we thank the Lord for them today. Um, and so we, we pray that the Lord would, would bless what they are doing. Uh, down the hall as they, the young ones get to have their time with the Lord. You know, the Word tells us that we are uh, to commend the works of God to the next generation, and that's a big part of what we like to do here. Um, so uh, before we open the Word of God together, just a reminder, we won't have the Scriptures up on the screen this morning as we normally do, so make sure you have a Bible with you. If you didn't bring one, there's some in the seats underneath in front of you. You can certainly use your phone for your Bible app. Can we turn the lights on a little bit in the back? Um, I know that sometimes people like to hide and they sit all the way in the back and that's all good. But last, praise the Lord, we want them to be able to, to see their Bibles and the Word of God as well. Um, and so I just want to give a few updates. We, we call it uh, church life to just kind of get caught up in what's going on in the life of the church. Uh, remember here at Trinity Bible Church that we have Three core values, and we just broke it down to three words, learn, grow, and serve, because um, these words are important to us as we pursue being disciples of Jesus Christ. We learn the truth, we grow in our faith, and then we serve. So we learn, 
We grow, we serve, and we keep repeating that process. That is the life of the disciple. It's a big part of who we are here at Trinity Bible Church, focusing on the path and the journey of being a disciple. So just a few updates uh, to get us started. Of course, as I mentioned, we have our our, uh, monthly uh, luncheon today, our fellowship lunch, so we'll end our service with that uh, after communion, and so please make sure uh, that you stay for that. All are welcome. We love to do that. Uh, and uh, just give uh, our team a good five or ten minutes to get all the food set up after communion so you can fellowship and mingle and get to talk to some other people that you didn't just get to say hi to and uh, as they prepare the food for you. Um, just a reminder, too, I'm sure you're aware of this, but there is a lot of people, there's a whole team of people that gather here early on Sunday morning before the service starts to get things in place, and I'm so thankful for each and every one of them. If, you, um, if you're looking for a way to serve and to plug in here at Trinity, just let me know. You can talk to myself or one of the other leaders and find out ways to use your gifts, your spiritual gifts and your talents to serve the people here at Trinity. And of course, by doing that, serving the Lord. But I thank every one of our volunteers that come early to get uh, our church ready for our service uh, and so, yes, so we'll have our, our barbecue lunch, and then, of course, we'll end our service with communion. And so uh, today we don't have the little pre-packaged cups, and so what we're going to do is when we get to that point in service, then I will welcome you uh, just quietly as the music plays to, um, to either come up to the front table here or to the side table there and just take a cup and a, a piece of bread, and then you can go back to your seats, and we'll have a time of medica- meditation, so We'll leave time for that, but that's the way we'll do it. So you don't need to have it with you now, uh, but we'll do that at the end of our service. I want to give a few updates about some things that happened this week. Uh, it was quite exciting to hear the reports of, of what the Lord was doing. And so uh, yesterday, I guess yeah, it was yesterday, we had the Easter egg hunt, and we had 40 kids here. Was that awesome? There were 40 kids in the church. It was awesome. And, um, and lots. I saw some pictures, and it looks like there were a lot of adults that were enjoying their time too. And so that was great. Uh, hopefully there were no adults that were taking the eggs, you know, away from the kids. But uh, I heard it was an awesome time. And, of course, the, the kids and the, and the parents got to hear the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And so we are really thankful for all the volunteers and people that, that planned that and made that happen to have 40 kids here was uh, awesome. Uh, on Thursday night, we had the, um, uh, the yoga uh, event where we were raising money for uh, for Ukraine, of course, as you know, that one of our missionary partners, long-term missionary partners, who we, we heard from a few weeks ago, uh, uh, Liz Baker, was here, or Jim and Liz Baker, and they um, were in Ukraine for almost 20 years and still have many contacts there and serve there. Uh, and so uh, all of the money that was raised through that yoga event uh, was going to Ukraine through them, through the Bakers and their their um, their mission, and so we're so thankful. So that event alone on Thursday night raised almost a thousand dollars. Is over nine hundred dollars? Isn't that awesome? That's going to help people. We're thankful. There's been other money coming in to help Ukraine. Over six hundred dollars that all of you have been giving, and uh, so we're very very thankful. As I tell people often, this is a very uh, giving church, and uh, we're so so thankful that we can do uh, our part here in this part of the world to help um, believers especially, but to help those in need uh, over in Ukraine. And so two very uh, successful events. And then last Sunday, 
uh, we had the prayer march in Lakewood, and we had 13, a group of 13 people that gathered uh, to go into Lakewood and to pray, and uh, I'm so sad that I wasn't able to go, but, um, but uh, I've heard amazing stories, and actually, in just a minute, you're going to hear a few testimonies, three or four uh, brief words of testimony about what the Lord did last Sunday in Lakewood, and so I'm so thankful for what God is doing here at Trinity through all these different ministries and opportunities. And so just in, in just a minute, you'll hear some people share some words of testimony about their time praying uh, in Lakewood last Sunday. Um, just a couple of uh, reminders that on the 13th of April, yes, it's already April, so happy April. Um, on April 13th, which is a Wednesday night, we have our Christ in the Passover Seder meal and presentation. We ask that you register for this. It is a free event. It's open to everyone, but we just ask that you go to our website, trinityallenwood.com, and register for that so we know how much food to provide. Uh, dinner is provided, and so it will be a catered dinner, and that um, starts at 6.30 on Wednesday the 13th. All this is on our website. It went out in an email recently. Make sure you put all this stuff on your calendar. But at 6.30, we'll start. There's going to be a full dinner and a full presentation by our missionaries, Scott and Corey Schwartz, who are missionaries to the Orthodox Jewish community in Lakewood. And so um, we are looking forward to that. If you've never attended one, I, I really encourage you, make it a point to come out on that Wednesday night at 6.30 to, um, to learn all about Christ, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, as he is shown through the traditional Jewish Passover Seder meal, all right? It's really an amazing experience. So I encourage all of you to do that and go online and register. Of course, uh, two days after that, on Friday the 15th, is our Good Friday service at 7 p.m., well, well, uh, where we remember, of course, the Lord's sacrifice. Uh, and then two days later, on the 17th, is Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday. And so... Please make a note of that. Hopefully you can join us. And there will be a special children's program as part of our Easter Sunday morning worship service. So make sure that you join us for that. One last thing, and then we'll hear some testimonies about our prayer time in Lakewood. Uh, if you were not here last week, um, just know that uh, I am taking a three-month leave of absence to be home to care for my dad. I will still be here on Sundays. Uh, my dad came home on Friday. Many of you have been praying for him. He's been in the hospital and rehab for over two months. Um, but um, I've needed to, to step aside from all my other responsibilities except Sunday morning. And our church leadership has been very gracious and supportive to uh, take on all the other responsibilities. And so uh, I'll have this leave of absence for three months as I stay home to um, care for my dad. Um, he just uh, is very thankful for all the prayers and the cards and the well wishes and He's not quite ready for visitors yet, but um, he asked me to just let you know that, that uh, we'll let you know when he's ready if anybody wanted to come visit him. But I just thank you for being such a, a loving and, and praying and supportive church uh, to help us um, during this, this season uh, in this time of transition, all right? Uh, and so now, what I want to do is, Andrew, you have the microphone, and so we're going to hear a few testimonies from our, our, uh, our time of praying in Lakewood. And so, Andrew, so who wants to go first? I know there's a few. Um, uh, actually, you know what? Yeah, that'd be great. You want to do that? That'd be good. Yeah, Paul Mark and, Mark. and Paula, thank you. Is this the one? Okay. Thank you. 
Uh, so I just wanted to encourage you in case the, oh, yeah. Yep. Um, I know Ed, uh, I get nervous more standing up here in front of you, but <clears throat> going out in Lakewood, I know it might be out of your comfort zone, but it's a beautiful thing to just go with your brothers and sisters in Christ. So that was a great time. So I thank all the people that went. And um, it's nice to a lot of times in our day, I know at least for me, I, there's a lot of opportunity to share and people hurting and but you know you got to get stuff done or work done but it's a beautiful hour that you can just take and share your faith and it's a you know a lot of people are hurting and it's very easy they're really very receptive yes some people walk by and we can just you know pray for them but there was like a little girl running down the street asked her if we could pray for her she stopped right accepted prayer and um and then this ukrainian woman um was beautiful i'm sure more people will talk to her but you know her you could see her heart soften because we cared you know um and not everybody cares about it and she was a little confused on you know the universe and where god is but um it's it's a nice practice and i think near and dear to my heart too because part of my salvation journey was somebody giving me a gideon's bible like yes i was raised in a church but i doesn't make you a christian and um, so it's important to get out there and it's just just to encourage you, it's a beautiful thing to just take one hour and just that's all you have to think about is sharing Jesus and he shows up. Last week we went to Lakewood, as you already know, the pastor said, um, I guess about 12 of us and we were to meet at the police station. Maureen was with us, Paula was driving and we went by the police station to try to find a parking spot. And I'm all armed already with uh, the Gospel of John and Shalom, Scott Schwartz left in the back there. And there's a Hasidic fella getting ready to back up. And no offense, but you can kind of narrow down the Jewish people by maybe like the body work that maybe needs to be done on their cars. Does that make sense? So I just tap on the window and I say, excuse me, you're backing up. And he's like, yeah. So as we're waiting, I'm thinking, yeah, you know, I'm going to get him one of these Shalom tracks and pass it on to him, and I'm going to get a chance to witness to him. So I go back to the car, get that, and I said, hey, I have something for you. And he looks at me, deadpan face. I don't want that. And I, I guess I said that because then we walked the streets, and you'd see the Hasidic woman, black hair, kids in strollers, and as we were walking along, we would say shalom, at least maybe as a greeting. Some would look at us, some would turn the other way, and the kids look at us, look at mom. But I'm thinking to myself, what a mission for you. You know, Jesus Christ said he came to his own, and his own received him. I mean, they're God's chosen people. They're everywhere. I kind of admire what Scott does, and like Paula said later on, you just have to like build a relationship with him. But running through my mind as we were doing that for the hours, like seeing this group go through here. And maybe they're thinking first, ah, Jehovah Witnesses, some cult, something like that. But I hope that maybe some of them listened what we were sharing. And again, Andrew, real aggressive, he'd go up and say, hey, can we pray with you? I said, yes. Okay. We gave out some of the Gospels of John in Spanish. Okay. And Elizabeth, they will pray with them. But again, what an open mission field. And even at the end, um, Bruce had got a lot of snacks, like pastries, brought them back to the big area, and then some of the people around came and had one. So there's opportunities. You share these people love, concern. Um, hopefully they see Jesus Christ later make a difference in their life.
Who's next? Prima or Maureen? Hello, everybody. I never know how close to put it. But it was such a blessing. I mean, we go out to pray and thinking, going to bless. But we walked away so much blessing our own hearts because we gave that hour to God. I mean, I know, I don't know, everybody's got a busy life. I have a crazy life. Pennsylvania all week, I come home on the weekend, try and catch up everything that I can do it in here. But God has been amazing to Trinity Bible Church going out and just speaking to the people that, that we run into. Um, thank God we had Elizabeth who could speak Spanish, so Spanish only speaking. She could pray with them and question them on prayer requests. So if anybody else speaks Spanish when there's an outreach, that is such a blessing to be able to speak with speak a different language only english i do what i can with it that's it but um that ukrainian woman was there and she really knew a lot of theology but was off on it so several groups because when we all got back together had spoken to her so she had had the book of john and got got to spoken to and loved on by several several groups that ran by the train by the bus station um it was great fellowship just to be with brothers so we went and the strand theater was doing a fundraiser um for ukraine and there were a lot of people that were walking to there we tried to talk to them but they were late for the for the show or whatever paying to give money to try and help and they were selling pastries and that's what um was bought and so we supported ukraine that that day a little bit too um but it's it's just you are blessed more i mean probably all had this morning bed and it's happened to me over the years many times and i may have forced myself to go that was the best message that I needed to hear when I purposefully make myself go or purposely self go to an outreach. It's easy to say, no, I don't feel like going or, you know, you don't even have to talk. You could just be one of the people walking with the group. You know, there's, there's more are gathered together. There I am. Um, so he was with us. And we had a great time. It was fun. You know, it's not scary. And I hope a lot of people will come out when we do. And hopefully the weather will be warm. Thank you. Maureen, Prima? Everyone. So this is something that was not easy for me. Um, I'm familiar with prayer. I pray all the time, having young men keep me on my knees. Um, but public prayer is not something that I was comfortable with. And I've been challenged by less of me, Lord, and more of you. 
And so I stepped into this uh, not knowing at all what to expect. And it was pretty cool. We're divided into two teams. And I was in a team with Bruce and Betsy and Angela. Um, and Rodney was there. Yeah, I know this stuff. And um, we just walked, we prayed and walked to the, on the blocks. And Bruce said, good morning. Can we pray for you? And I was just surprised how many people said, yes, sure. We probably pay, prayed for about 12 people. Two were Spanish speakers. They still requested. I'm not sure what they understood because we prayed in English. Um, the Ukrainian women, um, it was just a profoundly blessed time for me. I was just, um, it's, it, it was just so confirming that you walk in trust and obedience and God blesses. And I was blessed. So let's do it again. Right, and Lisa. Morning, everyone. Hope you're all doing well on this. Yeah, we we truly were blessed last Sunday. You know, the it's a biblical print give without getting back. And I don't care if it's finances or your time, effort, whatever it may be. You know, when you give to God, he's going to bless you back in some way. First of all, I want to thank Andrew and, and his wife for, you know, heading up this ministry and all the hard work they do with that. And, um, you know, I, I think about the Second Corinthians uh, chapter 5 where Paul's writing to the Corinthian church. He says that we are ambassadors for Christ. And as if God is making his appeal to us, be reconciled to God. He has given us, God has given us a ministry of reconciliation. And he has called us to to go out and to share the good news. You know, I know when I got saved back a long time ago when I was 20, it was such a, you know, it was a miracle. I mean, God changed my life completely, set me free. But he didn't do it just for me. Yes, I, I reaped all the benefits of that, uh, being born again, you know, there again, Second Corinthians chapter 5. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things come new. But he didn't do it just to save me so I can go to heaven. He wants me to go out and share with others. And so when I heard Pastor Keith uh, the, the other week uh, first announce this outreach, I was like right away in my mind, I wanted to go. You know, I wanted to be involved. And, and this is not my uh, first rodeo, so to speak. I do have a lot of background in the street evangelism and whatever you want to call it. So this was nothing new to me. But anytime we go out there and share the, the good news with, with others, you know, like, like the lady said, when we come back together to meet after the outreach last, last week, we were only out for an hour. Man, we were all high. I mean, we were just <laughs> cloud nine. We were so blessed. We were, every, every single one of us was. And I just want to encourage you folks, next time we have an outreach, you know, if you're not comfortable with it, you know, you're not, you're not going to be set out there alone. You know, come along. You know, you, we'll go out in a group together. Uh, we, you know, we, we, we don't separate and stuff. And, and you can just go along if you're not, uh, you know, actually, you know, open enough to talk to people or anything. Pray. You, know, you can go along and pray for us as, as we go. And we, uh, like, the, like everyone else said, we, we broke up into two groups. And at first I thought, like, there were six or seven of us in a group. I thought, this is, you know, usually you go out in, like, maybe pairs or something, two or three people. But I thought, this might be a little bit too much. But, you know, it seemed like it worked for our advantage in a way, because we kind of ganged up on people, you know, like six or seven of us up, hey, would, would you like prayer? And they're like, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, you can pray for me. You know, it was, I think it worked in our advantage. But, uh, 
I was a little bit disappointed that I did wanted to go and uh, I wanted to talk to some of the Jewish people, which I knew were in, in Lakewood, but I didn't get really a chance to because most of them didn't want to really talk. And, you know, but we did, I did get to hand out a couple of the, the Shalom tracks, a couple of them, the men took that. But then Betsy was telling me, she uh, said that she believes that the, the Jewish people aren't really allowed to be talking to Christian people and stuff. So, and then I was talking to Bruce about it and said, well, maybe we could approach them, you know, I mean, a little different that way, you know, and get in there, maybe conversation, a little, start off a little different, or even just go up and ask them, hey, can you, you know, I'm interested in what you believe. Could you tell me? And then, of course, then through the conversation, we can share about the Jewish Messiah, Jesus, you know, with them. But uh, anyway, I think I took them up for your time. I could go in here all day, but uh, it was a blessing, you know, and uh, I just thank God that, you know, we, and we don't know what God's doing in those people's hearts. We, like I so said, we did pray, the lady said, we prayed with so many people that were really open. And I was in the group that did not have any Spanish-speaking people. So if you speak Spanish, you know, I encourage you to come along to the next outreach because we could use you because there was a lot of Spanish people. A lot of the people were so open, it was surprising in a way, except for like maybe the Jewish folks. But, uh, you know, I just encourage you to come on out next time and, and try it. Thanks. Yes, it's just, it was just amazing just being out there. I just want to um, just pray for my wife. She's, not, she's feeling under weather today, but she's better today. And um, when we went out there, my wife, you know, she limps a little bit. So she said, I got to go out there, you know. I said, come on. The Lord said, I'm going to hand you. I'm going to um, give you strength to go. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. And when we went out there, it was like a unified family. It was actually 12 people that went out there. Now, 12 people, that's like the tribes of Israel, 12, you know, each tribe. I mean, it was like nice how the Lord set this up. So we went out there, unified. We prayed for the firemen. We prayed for police officers. He's walking with barriers. Um, I went inside of the um the bus station. My wife said, "Don't go in." there. the Lord pushed me to go in there, pray for him. The police officer said, "Can I can I pray with my eyes open? Cause I got to keep a watch out for these people in here, you know." <laughs> so we, he prayed. He hold my hand, and I prayed for him. He had his eyes open. Just just try to get out there, cause I never felt the Lord's presence like I did Sunday. I mean, he wrapped his hands around this whole group. I mean, we had this sense of confidence going out there to accomplish with his will. You know, we, we're set to go out there and, and be an example for Christ. We're ambassadors of him. We got to represent him. We only got a short period of time here in this world. You know, each one of us can pass away. Tomorrow could be your last day. Today could be your last day. You know, and these people's on fire out there. You know, especially the Jewish rakes too, you know. And we was able to, to talk to a couple of them, you know. And uh, Pastor Keith's teaching. Learn, grow, and serve. That's what he preaches these messages so we can learn, grow, and serve. So when you go out there, you know what to say to these people out there, you know? And it's just the Lord, just being a whoever never been out in an outreach, I, I ask you, go out on an outreach so you see the Lord working your life. That's when he works when, you, when you're sent. That's just when the lepers came to Jesus. He said, go show yourself to the priest. As they went, they got healed. You know, they got healed. So it's important to get all these outreaches, you know, and every time I see my wife on an outreach, that even make me go even stronger because I see her limping and, and, and praying for these people in Spanish. I say, I got I to gotta do more. My, my, my wife, she's out here struggling a little bit. Lord, Lord strength for her to go out in these outreaches and give her the power. She, she made it through, you know. She made it through, but, you know, we all work together. The, the, the love that the Lord's going to empower you. Why are you going out there? You got a sickness. He's going to heal that sickness that you got in your body. You don't even know it. You know, so we out there, we want to declare the gospel to people that's out there that's, that's living in darkness. You know, it's so much darkness. You see Ukraine, Russia, you see the things that's going on in this world. It's, it's, it's sad. Them little kids getting blown up. They don't even know what's going on over there. But the Lord knows. He's in full of control. That's why he said, tell these people about me. 
And I'm going to take care of the rest. That's all I got. Thank you. Praise the Lord um, for the power of testimony. To be able to hear what God is doing um, firsthand, what God is doing, not only in areas, but of course through people and through uh, what we are, are choosing to do on a regular basis. As Andrew said, as we learn, we grow, and then we serve. So um, let's open our Bibles to First um, Peter. And if we can just turn the volume down a little bit, just getting a little feedback, I appreciate it. First Peter, and this is uh, chapter 1 still, just going through um, the letter of First Peter, the book of First Peter. We are in uh, chapter 1, verses 17 through 21. And again, feel free to, to use your Bible, use your phone and your Bible app. Uh, totally fine, because we want to be looking at and diving into God's Word together. So, you know, something that um, people have been talking about uh, these days is, uh, especially uh, here in this country, is uh, inflation and how the cost of just about everything is skyrocketing. And, you know, we recognize it as we go throughout our day when we fill up our, our gas tanks, when we go to uh, food shopping, and we see what things are costing. And, you know, if you think about it, there's always going to be a cost for something. And, and Peter, today in our passage, in chapter 1, verses 17 to 21, reminds us of the cost of hope. We don't often think of hope costing something, but Peter, as he is writing to these exiles, those who are scattered and dispersed believers, right? Um, he's writing to them because they are, they are being persecuted. And he wants to encourage them, and so, of course, he wants to remind them, as he said last week, about being holy, but then he tells them why in our passage today. Reminds them what to be thankful for, first and foremost, because there was a price that was paid for our salvation. There was a cost involved. But of course, the key is that it was not a price we paid, a price that Jesus paid. Amen? And so what a fitting passage, the way God works this out, a fitting passage for us on a communion Sunday to be focused on the cost of the hope that we have, the cost of hope. So I thought it would be fun, so this might make you laugh, it also might make you cry a little, to kind of give you um, uh, a perspective on what things cost in the past. So I picked the year 1970, happened to be the year that I was born. Anybody else born in 1970? That was like a million years ago, right? And some of you are just like, yeah, right. I'm the only one. Awesome, 1970. And so I wanted to let you know what some of the regular items that we buy all the time, what do they cost in 1970? Give us a little perspective. So in the year 1970, a gallon of milk cost $1.32. Pretty good, right? A dozen eggs cost 60 cents. 1970. A loaf of bread, 25 cents. A gallon of orange juice, 86 cents. If you wanted to go to McDonald's and buy a Big Mac in 1970, it would have cost you 65 cents. A slice of pizza 
was a quarter, 25 cents. A gallon of gas. Anybody want to guess? That's like what everybody's talking about now, right? This is before all the oil shortages, you know, in, in the, the later 70s. 1970, how much was a gallon of gas? Oh, you <laughs> wow, that's pretty specific. Well, the internet said 36 cents. So, of course, if it's on the internet, it's true, right? And so, how about that? 27, 36 cents for a gallon of gas in 1970. You know, I was asking my dad uh, the other day, I said, Dad, remind me again, what did you buy your house for? He bought his house in 1970, the year I was born. He bought his house in Westfield here in New Jersey, $20,000. And he loves to tell me, he says, you know, the last few cars I bought cost way more than the first house I ever bought. How about some perspective, right? That crazy, the way things change. But we know there's always a cost for something, but here's the key, right? The question is always, what are you willing to pay? Just because it costs something doesn't mean you necessarily have to buy it. Sometimes when things are more expensive, we go and we do without. But there's always a cost. But we ask ourselves, what is the price we are willing to pay? Well, the Bible teaches us that there was a cost associated with our salvation, but we didn't have to pay it. But yet, as disciples, those who are believers in the Lord Jesus, who then choose to follow Christ, while well, being a disciple, that costs us something. See the difference? Salvation in Christ is a free gift offered to us. That's the message that Peter has for us today. He's saying to these exiles and to us this morning, remember the price that was paid. Remember the price that was paid and keep that in perspective. That in the midst of suffering, we ought to remember the suffering of Christ. See that? That's what Peter's saying to us. That in the midst of our suffering, we are to remember the suffering of Christ. The Bible teaches us there's a cost associated with getting into heaven. More specifically, there was a price that was set long ago for getting rid of the problem of sin. And God said it was going to be blood. There was always needed to be bloodshed. For the Scripture says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. All the way back in Genesis, we see God showing us that. That when He cast Adam and Eve out of the garden because of their sin, he got rid of the fig leaves and made for them cloths, clothing out of animal skin. Where did God get the animal skin? Of course, he had to sacrifice an animal. There was blood shed to cover the sins of Adam and Eve. You see that? So from the very beginning, God's plan was there needed to be a cost paid, a price paid for sin. Now, of course, sin, we know, is what separates us from God. And so Jesus Christ, that Savior, the one that God had promised, the Messiah, would be the one to come and shed his blood once and for all for the forgiveness of the sins of the world to those who would believe and receive that gift. So Peter profoundly reminds us this morning in the passage I'll read in a moment, 
that we are to remember in our times of suffering, the suffering of Jesus Christ, the cost of our hope. See, for without dealing with sin, there is no hope in the world. But with God, there's always hope. But was, there was that price to pay. So this morning, we will look at the cost of hope. Last week, Peter reminded us about holiness, that now in Christ, we are to live holy lives. But this morning's passage, he reminds us, why is it we are to live holy lives? Who is it we're being thankful to? Let me read it for us. Again, you can follow along in your Bibles. 1 Peter 1, 17-21. Peter says this, And if you call on Him as Father, who judges impartially according to each one's needs, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, but not with perishable things such as silver or gold. You were ransomed with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and your hope are in God. He continues this theme of holiness, reminding us that God is holy and just, a Father who judges impartially. But we are then to remember the holiness of God. That we are, listen, to live according to His standards and no one else's. See, when, Paul, when Peter says, if you call on him, he's saying, okay, if you're believers in Jesus Christ, then you call on your heavenly Father who judges impartially. He's saying God is a righteous and holy God. And if, Think about it. Let's use a little biblical common sense for a moment. If God created the universe, and He created us, does he not get to define who we are? God defines the terms. We don't. God is the creator of all things. We are not. He determines our days. We don't. God defines the terms. God sets the standards. See, we often go through life, even as believers, when we forget the reason for our hope and the cost for our hope, we live as if we get to live by our own standards. We set the rules for ourselves, and we just kind of add a little God and Jesus into it and hope he'll approve of what we're deciding to do. See, you know, backwards that is. Peter's reminding us God is the one who's holy. In our passage last week, he said, be holy for God is holy. He was quoting from the Old Testament in Leviticus. So because God is holy, we are to seek to be holy. Remember what holy means, church? It means to be set apart. Set apart for a plan and a purpose. God has set us apart as believers to be holy because he is holy. Now we know we'll never be perfect like God, but we are to seek holiness in reverence to him. 
he says we are to conduct ourselves with fear throughout our time of exile. Now, we don't often think about our relationship with God as one based on fear, right? So why would Peter say, conduct yourselves with fear of God? Well, I'll tell you, it's simple. The word fear here doesn't mean what we think it means. When we hear the word fear, we think of afraid, right? That's kind of the definition we've given it. Remember, God gets to set the terms, and so we look at the original language and we say, what does it mean when the Bible says to fear God? It doesn't mean to be afraid of God, to be worried about God, to cower in the corner because of God. No, that fear means a holy reverence. It means a reverence and a respect in the awe of God's glory and holiness. See the difference? So when he says to, um, to conduct yourselves with fear, it means this. Peter is simply saying to these exiles who are suffering persecution and to us today, he says, can we please remember who God is? Remember that God is a holy father. He is a righteous judge and that he is to be revered and respected. So we take, a, we take a moment, church, to just kind of step back for a second and to think, are we treating God with the respect and reverence that he deserves? Take a moment, think about that. In our daily lives, are we giving God the respect and the reverence that he is due? For if we believe that he is the creator of the universe, that God gives life and he takes it away, are we respecting him for that? Are we coming before him with reverence? In the midst of that reverence, we can have joy and enjoy our freedom. Again, it's not to be in fear of God in the way we might think of it, but it's about a reverence, a reverence and a respect. See, because we as believers are set apart. We are called to holiness, Peter says. We are saved to be holy and set apart for God. Did you know we as believers in the New Testament are called the church? We are the church. The called out ones, the ecclesia, the called out ones. We are the called the bride of Christ, set apart for holiness, waiting for our bridegroom, Jesus Christ, to return for us. We are called the body of Christ. You see that? As Christians, we are called to be set apart. Set apart from the world in which we live. Set apart from the world's standards. Set apart to live among each other according to God's standard. Not our own, not anybody else's. We are his. See, Peter is trying to encourage these Christians in exile who are facing suffering. And he says, remember the cost that was paid and that we have a heavenly Father who is holy and righteous and just, who is to be feared in the biblical sense, revered, respected, and be in awe of. Ephesians 5, 27 says, Jesus came to present her to himself as a radiant church, meaning us believers, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. See the description of us as believers? 
a radiant church? Are we being radiant for God? Are we representing Him? He says, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, holy and blameless. See, we are the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, the church being the called out one, set apart for our Savior. Set apart for our Savior. <laughs> Revelation 19.7 says, Let us rejoice and be glad and give Him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come, and His bride has made herself ready. Church, are we making ourselves ready for the return of Jesus Christ? Are we making ourselves ready by seeking holiness? Another one, 1 Corinthians 12.27 Simply, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. See, Peter reminds us the cost of our holiness and the cost of our hope. We were ransomed by the blood of Christ, he says in our passage. Ransomed by the blood of Christ for our sake, he says it was for us. Raised from the dead, so our hope and faith are in God and not of this world. Where do you put your hope? Do you put your hope? The government? Do you, you have some laughs? No, nope. no way. Do you put your hope in your money? Do you put your hope in your job? Do you put your eternal hope, your ultimate hope, in your loved ones? We are to love them and cherish them and bless them and honor them. But where does our hope lie? Peter says our hope lies in Christ because he paid the ransom, no one else. The ransom was paid by what? The blood of Christ. Because in order for sin to be paid for, the penalty of sin, there has to be the shedding of blood. And Jesus came and did that for us once and for all. We do not find ultimate hope in the things of this life, but the things to come. For our life is now in Christ. Colossians 2.20 the Apostle Paul says it this way. Listen to his words. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. See what the Apostle Paul is admitting? He's confessing, he's saying, who you see before you is really now a representative of Christ this life I live in the flesh now, I do by faith. He goes, it's not my own standards anymore. It's not the law I used to believe in. Remember, Paul was a persecutor of Christians. And he was, he was knowledgeable in the law, an attorney. He knew what the law said. But he says, now it's all forgiven in Christ. Everything. It's now by the grace of God. And Paul more than anyone else we see in the Scriptures, knew what that meant. The grace of God, that he could not earn his salvation, he did not deserve it, but it was all a gift from God through Jesus Christ. Amen? So, we check our hearts for a moment this morning. Do we live by faith with reverence and respect for the God of the universe who gave up his Son to ransom us from sin and death, a sacrifice the Son willingly made for us, undeserving sinners. See, the gospel of Jesus Christ is simply this, church, that as God's gracious gift to us, he gave his Son, Jesus Christ, who willingly 
died on the cross to pay the penalty of our sin, the penalty we deserve to pay. God raised him from the dead as an acceptance of the payment on our behalf so that in him we also might have new life. And that in order to personally receive this gift, it's a gift offered to us, church, we simply must believe. That's how you receive a gift by reaching out and saying thank you. We receive it by faith. In Acts chapter 16, you don't have to turn to it, but in Acts chapter 16, verses 30 and 31, a profound couple of verses in all the New Testament, there is this amazing account of Paul and Silas who were in jail. They were in prison for preaching the gospel, among other things, and And we know that God miraculously set them free. That as we were singing earlier in one of our worship songs, that the ground was shaking and the walls of the prison came down and they were set free. And the Philippian jailer was in this, the city of Philippi. The jailer there at Philippi was afraid. He was a witness of this power of God. Asked Paul inside, said, sir, What must I do to be saved? He wanted to be a part of that power that just freed them from prison. He says, what must I do to be saved? I'll say, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Belief. He didn't say go and do a bunch of good things and it's all about your works and a little bit of Jesus. It's all about what Christ did for us on the cross during worship we didn't have the words up there and I knew most of the words to the songs but I found myself closed my eyes and I worship but I found myself glancing that cross above there was no words to look at to remind me of what I was singing staring at the cross cross up there that is glowing and lit highlight it for us being reminded of what happened on that cross but praise God is no longer on that cross. You know, in a few weeks, we get to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. But we are to do that every day, aren't we? But we set aside that day, we call it Easter Resurrection Sunday, to remember the importance of the resurrection. And Peter is saying that here in our passage, that God raised him from the dead. Why? That was God simply accepting Jesus' payment on the cross, see? Jesus willingly went to the cross, church, and he paid the price, the penalty for sin on our behalf. God raised him from the dead as an acceptance of that payment. Here's what the scripture says about this God. There's bad news, there's good news. You can't understand the good news without first hearing the bad news, right? The bad news, we cannot save ourselves. No work on our part will bring us salvation or get us into heaven. We can't add anything to what has already been done. In fact, if we try to, we diminish and cheapen his suffering and sacrifice on the cross. So the bad news is we are sinners in need of a Savior, and we can't do anything about it. Romans 3, 10 through 12 says, There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. For all have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even. Psalm 14 says, 
The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt and their deeds are vile. There is no one who does good. All have turned away. All have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Ecclesiastes 7.20 says it this way. Indeed, there is no one on earth who is righteous, no one who does what is right and never, ever sins. They're hard verses here and to read. They make it seem like our position before God is hopeless. You know what? The Bible says it is without Christ. We have our hope in Jesus Christ. Jesus himself says these words, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus could not make it any more clear, could he? That there is no other way to salvation, no other way to heaven, no other way to gain eternal life except through Jesus. But here's the good news, church. Jesus did all that was necessary for salvation. For us, we must only believe except the gift. John 3, 3, he says, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Remember Jesus talking to Nicodemus? Nicodemus wants to know, how am I saved? And Jesus says to him, unless you're born again, you cannot be saved. Remember Nicodemus goes on to say, what on earth are you talking about? How could I be born again? It means that in Christ we are given that new life, That new birth, that new hope, we cannot enter into the presence of a holy and righteous God because of our sins, so it must be by the shed blood of Christ. How do we then obtain that? How are we born again? By believing. Church, what would you say if I asked you what the most popular and famous verse of the Bible is? What would we say? What's the verse that most people can quote, even if they're not Christians? John 3.16, right? But there's a reason that it's probably the most often quoted Bible verse. You even see it at the football games and all that, right? You hear it all the time. I'm going to read it for you. But I also want to read for you verses 17 and 18 because we all might know even by heart John 3.16. But do we know what it says right after that? To bring even more emphasis, listen to what this says, church. Even if you've heard it a million times, it's the Word of God. It's worth hearing a million and one times. Perhaps the Holy Spirit will speak to you in a different way as you hear these very familiar words. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever would believe in Him not die, have everlasting life. You notice the word believe? Listen to verses 17 and 18. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. See the word believe? Times is that used there? We are to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. One more verse, and then we will take the Lord's table together. These fitting scriptures, 1 Peter 1, 17 to 21, these others I have referenced, to remind us of the importance of what we are about to do together, church. We take communion, or called the Lord's table, 
take a piece of bread and we take the cup representing the body and blood of Christ, we do it as an act of obedience to Jesus because he told us to do it in remembrance of him. He told the church, he gave us two commands, really, baptism and communion. And so together we get to take these elements in a moment, remembering the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. The last verse I'll leave with you is this, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works that no one should boast. Can I read it one more time? For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing, it is a gift of God not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Church, what an important couple of verses for us to remember. That Paul is reminding us that we can do nothing to save ourselves. That Jesus Christ did all that was necessary. And his sacrifice is a gift offered to us. Have you reached out and accepted that gift? Have you believed in the Lord Jesus Christ? For when we believe in the Lord Jesus, we are believing that Jesus is who he says he is, the very Son of God, and that he did what he said he was going to do, die on the cross and come back to life. If we believe he is who he says he is and did what he said he was going to do, and we believe he did it for us, the Bible says you are saved. We receive salvation that's offered to us through Christ and him alone, the way, the truth, and the life, by believing. It's not of our own works, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It is a gift of God. What does grace mean? Grace means unmerited favor. Grace means that God made it so that we could not do it on our own, that he did everything necessary for us to be saved, reconciled to him for all of eternity, and that all we need to do is believe. Church, that, in essence, is the gospel. And so what I'd like to do now is in remembrance of that gift of God to us, is that we would take these elements together. And so we're going to hear some music playing in a moment, and when we do, it's a good opportunity to take a moment to reflect. So what we'll do is, is um, I'm gonna pray for the elements and then you can quietly, as the music plays, you can get up and come up here and take a cup and a piece of bread or you can go to that table and just take your time and there's no rush. Take a cup and a piece of bread, go back to your seat. When you come back to your seat, would you take a moment or two to just reflect on your relationship with God? This holy, righteous God, we reverencing him, are we respecting him? And take a few moments to just sit and think and ponder and reflect on your relationship with the most holy God. What does that look like for you? And have you received that gift? This taking of the bread and the cup, this is for believers. If you have not yet believed in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, it's okay. You don't have to get up and take the cup. We don't judge anybody. Jesus says this is for his church, his believers. 
But he also says this to the church. He says that we are to examine ourselves before we do this so that we do not take it in an unworthy manner. Perhaps in our heart of hearts, we are in a relationship with God where we have been disrespecting him by our words and our actions, that perhaps we have not giving, been giving him the respect and the awe that a holy God deserves. Reflect on that. Take a moment. As you hear the music play, take the elements, come back to your seat, and when we're all seated, I'll lead us in the taking of the bread and cup together. It says, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night when he was betrayed, he took bread, and we had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is for you, so do this in remembrance of me. Let's take and eat together in remembrance of him. It also tells us that in the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. 
Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So church, together we take the cup in remembrance of what he did for us. Now would you stand as we close in prayer? Our Father in heaven, holy and righteous God, we love you. We are thankful, Lord. We want to be people of hope and remember the cost of our hope and come before you with thankful hearts. But Father, we also recognize that we are to approach you with reverence and awe, with respect of who you are the great God of the universe. Father, above all, we are thankful for Jesus Christ, that one whom before the foundation of the world you have set apart to be our Savior, who in the last days you made manifest to give himself up for us a ransom and that you did it for us. And thank you, Father God, that through Jesus Christ all sin was forgiven as we then believe and receive in that gift. Father, we thank you for the forgiveness in Jesus Christ and in him alone. We thank you for your powerful word that tells us over and over again what it cost Jesus, but that all we need to do is believe. We thank you, God. But now as we live, believers as disciples in Jesus and choosing to follow you, Lord, help us to count that cost. God, as we partake of this meal together, may we share stories and words of encouragement from this past week and this past month about what you have been doing in our lives, Lord God, as we are reminded that we serve a risen Savior who is in the world and in our hearts today. We cannot thank you enough. So God, now through your spirit, go before us as we enjoy food and fellowship, and then as we leave this place, Father God, may we represent you well, the radiant church you have called to your own. We give you all the glory for that truth. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you, church. Let's give our team a few minutes to get the food going. So enjoy some time of fellowship and enjoy the meal.